Hey, you guys, welcome to the Main and Magic Podcast, your stop for all things Disney. I'm your host, Dawn Brown, and this is episode 36. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience, and we're picking up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the links to our audio recordings on our website at mainandmagic.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search for the Main and Magic podcast. After the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. In this episode, we venture out past the reef to do a deep dive into the Walt Disney Studios production film, Moana. We discuss how the creators conducted research for the film and how the history and mythologies of the South Pacific play into the storyline. We also analyze some of our favorite characters, songs, and artistic details, and... We dig into some compelling fan theories that suggest Moana might have died on her journey or been elevated to a demigod. And as a bonus, Katie tells us about the meaning of a chicken. So join us on the red car trolley as we take a ride to the crossroads of Maine and Magic. Welcome aboard, everybody. Come on in, grab a seat, because today we are actually going to take a ride over to the drive-in and catch a screening of Moana. Uh, This is the first time that we're actually going to be diving deep into a Disney film. We have not done that yet on this podcast, and... We just kind of feel like since we're a Disney podcast, we should dig into some of these films and talk about the characters and the music and this, you know, the arts and all of that stuff. So we, well, actually, Katie is here with me. Hello, Katie. Hello. And Katie was actually the one that kind of brought this topic up. I actually wasn't even sure that you would be (laughs) particularly interested in this kind of format, but um, you're actually the one that brought it up. And we picked Moana as the first. We, well, there was a a slight debate. What was the, was it Toy Story was the other one that we were considering? I think it was, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, it's only right that we should start with a Walt Disney Productions film <laughs> rather than a Disney Pixar film. Um, and but a yes. newer Disney Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're going to sort of try to follow a format here. We, <laughs> but it, What have it we is, ever followed a format? I, I know. It, it's going to just end up just falling out into some kind of random (laughs) conversation probably, but that's okay. So um, how we're going to kind of try to do this is we're going to go over a little bit of the history, um, just sort of like the stats, if you will, of the film. We'll do some initial thoughts. We'll discuss the storyline, then the characters, then the music, then like the art and cinematography, and then have some closing thoughts. That's the goal. We will probably bounce around a little bit um, 
is we were just talking off air about how to, there was one particular aspect that we want to incorporate and we weren't sure if we should incorporate it in a storyline discussion or a character discussion, but I think we kind of figured it out. So um, I'm going to jump in then with the, the stats, if you will. So again, like I said, this is a Walt Disney Studios production. It's the 56th animated feature film from the Walt Disney Studios production. Uh, It was released November 23rd, 2016 in theaters. So just a little over five years ago, if you can believe that. Seems like forever ago. I know. (laughs) Um, The box office in total, so this is domestic and international, was $644 million. For comparison, now this is kind of almost not a fair comparison because it's this movie is like so off the charts, but by comparison, Frozen, the original Frozen, did $1.28 billion worldwide. So Moana is like half of that, which kind of blows my mind a little bit because I feel like Moana was a really big film, but I guess Frozen was just all of the stars in the whole galaxy aligned for that one or something. Um, There might've been kind of a misfire here too, releasing a movie set in the South Pacific in November in the United States. (laughs) Uh, But I digress. It did win a couple of awards too. Yes. uh, It was nominated actually. It was nominated a bunch. Quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The directors were Ron Clements and John Musker, who sort of hail from Aladdin and the Little Mermaid. Like these guys have been around for a while. It was co-directed by Don Hall and Chris Evans. And they also have a laundry list of previous films that they've worked on. Um, the screenplay was by Jared Bush, who also worked on Zootopia and Encanto, which is like setting the internet on fire right now. Cinematography by Ron Dressel, who did layout, and Adolf Lazinski, who did lighting. The music and lyrics were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mark Mancina, and Opatai Foa'i. I probably said that wrong. Again, (laughs) we picked a film where I won't be able to pronounce half the words correctly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that's kind of the you know, the setup for it. I do also want to mention because this just came out. So Nielsen, who is a very like historic company, they've been keeping track of television ratings for my whole life. Um, they just released 2021 ratings and like for, for the 2021 most streamed movies, uh, Luca actually took the top spot, but Moana was the second most streamed movie in 2021, which is kind of mind-blowing. 
because <laughs> it's five years old. What the Nielsen company said was that more people watched Luca than watched Moana, which kind of makes sense because Luca got number one. But what they noticed was that Moana viewers tended to watch it more times. And it ended up to where it is holding the title as the most streamed kids movie ever. Oh, I'll say last year, James had to have watched this thing every day for like a month straight. I mean, mm-hmm. he loved this movie. It is re- really rewatchable. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And it's not just it's not a girl movie either. You know what I mean? Like it's something that girls and boys could totally get into. Yeah, it's not, it does. It's, it's not a princess movie per se. It's got a little bit of everything in it. And that's the one thing I really like. Yeah, it does feel like it's for everybody. But I thought that was really interesting. So yeah, people loved Luca, but they wanted to watch Moana over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, okay, so I have so many notes, you guys. I cannot even tell <laughs> I you. I I I have to say, I originally was gonna watch this movie like a week ago, and then do research afterwards to to kind of just look over what I had just seen but it ended up flipped which it was funny because you texted me last night that you were watching it <laughs> yep <laughs> I was like oh hey me fresh. too I ended up where I was reading all these articles before and I just kept pu- putting off watching it but I'm kind of glad that I did it that way and I think I'll probably do it that way going forward because it it ended up making me look for things that I had not previously noticed in, in other times viewing it. So let's kind of just go into initial thoughts first. As far as if you can remember back five years ago, going into the film, like what were some of the thoughts and feelings you had about it? Like, You've seen the previews, you know it's coming, and then finally you got to sit down and actually watch it. Was it, like, did you have high expectations going in, or was it just like, oh, another Disney movie, I can't wait to see it, or, like, what were your thoughts on the way in? Yeah, I just thought it was a, it's a, I can't wait to see it kind of thing. I wasn't, I had no anticipation of it whatsoever. Um, I did not go see it in theaters. I did wait for, I think I, I honestly, I think we bought the movie. We had a the Disney movie subscription thing where you get the, you know, the movies, you can purchase them every month, whatever. And we purchased this one. That's when we started watching it. And I really liked it. Honestly, I think the thing that really attracted me to this movie was not so much the storyline, but the soundtrack. Like there are so many songs for me, at least that are in this movie that I just, that were catchy and I loved singing them and listening to them on repeat and, that's what really got me into the movie at first. And then, you know, watching it every day helped. But um, I think for me, the soundtrack really just got me into it. I agree. Well, I feel like it's half and half for me. So I saw a girl on an island that's green with palm trees and she wants to go in the ocean. And I was like, I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then the because when the preview came out, it was the the song that Lin Manuel Miranda sings, the "We Know the Way." And if you remember at the closing of the preview, it was the drum beat, and yes. I was like, oh. Like, if that didn't just get you excited, like, that was such a good preview. <laughs> so I feel like I was like, oh, my God, that music sounds amazing. And if you it's funny, too, because if you remember, this is before Hamilton. Yeah. So um, In the Heights was like, I think, doing like off Broadway tour or whatever, but Lin-Manuel Miranda wasn't what we know now of, you know, just raging Hamilton fame. That was like still brewing. So all of this stuff was done before that kind of like really blew up, which, which kind of breaks my brain a little bit. It's like, just like from the beginning, he was just totally ruling music (laughs) and in all honesty until I started like actually doing the research for this for for the show I didn't know I didn't know that he wrote like I had no idea he was involved in it you know I'm sure I saw his name somewhere along the way but I I started like looking into things and I'm like wait a minute really like I had no idea yeah, like you just see a name and it's but like, I, oh, okay. And then yeah. and then you revisit yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, yes, it all makes sense now. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's talk about storyline. <laughs> um, diving into the history of them actually getting this together, there was a long they actually took their first research trip to just start gathering information to do the story in the first place in 2011 so that's five years out from the actual release date and some of the information i found it they took several trips to the south pacific to research all the different islands the culture the people and I found some information. I, I have lots of articles to link in show notes. But um, one of the things was the art director of Color and Environments said that they wanted to make sure it felt like the South Pacific and the world that they saw while they were visiting. So it was like super important to them to make it look like what they were actually seeing in front of their face. They also, they took liberties, you know, creative liberties with certain elements of the film. The production designer said that the islands in the film don't represent real places, but they are based on real areas at real times. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they they did what they could with color palettes and details and things like that um it's he said that they to replicate the costumes boats houses and tattoos they had most of the information from Samoa so that ended up being what Matanui the fictional island where Moana is from so according to them Matanui is 
loosely based on Samoa. I mean, there's so many islands in the South Pacific, right? (laughs) And each one's going to have like a little bit of variation on this or that. So I, I thought that that was really interesting that like from watching the making of Frozen 2, we know that they took several research trips to Iceland and Norway and, but this seemed significantly more involved than that film. Oh yeah. Is that what you were getting from stuff that you were reading as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually found some, I don't know if you have it in your list, but I found some other um, interesting things about the research that was done too. So Maui's hook, right. Is based, it was uh, inspired by the constellations that we know as Scorpio for the film, astronomers researched the Pacific Islands at night and what it would have looked like 2,000 years ago. So they paid lots of attention. You know, we see the night sky a lot when she's on the on, on the open water. So they did a lot of research of the night sky in the Pacific Island. Um, Moana wearing red feathers in the Pacific Island cultures. Red is a color of royalty. So they made sure to like incorporate that the red hue and the red feathers for all the um, ceremonial things that she was in. Um, what was one of the other things? The Polynesian, all their long hair and everything. There were actually volunteers that came in that had similar hairstyles as Moana that they would be dunked in water to see what their hair looked like wet to make sure that it was portrayed the right way. That is and, so cool. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine being like, yeah, I was, I was, I was the wet hair model. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it is I, a challenge. Like, yeah. Hair on. is really difficult. Yeah. And, and I, I was reading it to, to go back to your hair comment. Um, in the original design of Maui, he was bald. He was, that was, and then, yes. and then they were, the Pacific Islanders were like, no. Maui can't be bald. He needs to have, and they just kept adding hair and adding hair and adding hair. And like, so now you have two characters (laughs) with this crazy hair, Uh, which had to be so difficult on top of animating water, which is so difficult. (laughs) Um, What else? They had a group of Pacific Island advisors that became known as the Oceanic Story Trust. So they were made up of anthropologists, educators, linguists, master, master tattooists, choreographers, um, Hakka pra- practitioners, navigators, cultural advisors that they met with on various research trips to make sure that everything was represented properly. Um And then just another thing going back to hair. So this is kind of about hair, but a little bit different. But Rapunzel's hair from Tangled is what helped inspire the animators create the movement of the ocean for Moana. Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So they did a lot of, you know, a lot of research when it comes to keeping everything accurate with the south pacific like they they didn't just you know they made up islands but they they had professionals come in as as you know their story trust so i thought all that was really cool i thought that that was really cool too 
and and just how many islands they tried to incorporate a little because you know while Montanui is loosely based on Samoa, Tafiti is based on Tahiti. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they've incorporated that. And the heart of Tafiti, which is the actual amulet that she is carrying with her, is a green stone, which is like from New Zealand. So they've incorporated that. Yeah, there's just, there's so much stuff. It's so crazy. Um, Was it, oh, I was reading um, about like speaking of the story trust, because this kind of goes, this kind of goes back into that because of all the research that they did and they had all these people they were talking to, like the tattoos on Maui are modeled after actual tattoos. Um, It said Mark, the one that I read was Marquesan tattoos. The, I think it was the production designer. He said, you have to learn about things specifically so that you can look at one tattoo and say, oh, that's a Tahitian tattoo. And that tattoo is actually from Tonga. So even between the islands, the tattooing is just a little bit different. So they, they took some time to really make sure that they represented all of his tattoos in the same format like the same style so that it wasn't like just a mishmash of like random styles of tattoo they were like that specific so I thought that that was really cool mm-hmm. some more history I I actually came across this Smithsonian magazine article by this guy named Doug Furman he's a lecturer on traditional oceanic navigation so you know, a smart guy that knows about this stuff. (laughs) Um, So when we're talking about the storyline, you know, there's this girl, she lives on an island that has a bunch of sailboats hidden in a cave and nobody's sailing, but they obviously got to the island at some point and they've been there for a while, but nobody's sailing anymore. Why is that? So this guy was talking about that in relation to this film and he said, One of the huge mysteries of this migration, there's actually a name for it, and it's called the long pause. There's there's just like a gaping hole in when the migration started, and then there was a really long pause, and then the migration started again. So Moana is actually, the story is actually falling in that very true historic time period. So he said that Western Polynesia, which is the islands closest to Australia and New Guinea, were colonized around 3,500 years ago. But the islands of Central and Eastern Polynesia weren't settled until about 15 to 500 years ago. So there's a 2,000 year gap (laughs) where everybody was like, we're good. We'll just chill here for a while. (laughs) So he said that nobody knows the reason for the long pause or why the Polynesians started voyaging again. So there's been different theories. Like there could have been really bad algae blooms. There could have been 
weather patterns that were just too treacherous, you know, all these different things, but they don't really know. So I thought that that was really interesting because I never knew that there was that pause. I mean, it's like, it's one thing to be like, we're just going to hang out here for 50 years, but it's another thing to just for like 10 generations, (laughs) nobody's moving, you know, like that's that and nobody knows why that's pretty crazy. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I like I said, I have just all these like crazy notes. I never knew this stuff. I'm actually that's part of the reason I'm glad I didn't watch the movie again until last night because I was just like, wow, I never knew any of this. And I know Hawaii, like the Hawaiian islands are just one part of Polynesia, but they're part of our country. (laughs) So I kind of feel like we should know this a little bit. We have an entire state that this history affects and I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also discovered in this article that Tahiti in its various linguistic forms, he said, including Tafiti is a pan-Polynesian word for any faraway place. So it's like just a general term for, you know, so the heart of the faraway place. Yeah. There's all of these. I feel like all of these words are going to come back to your thing, Katie. (laughs) Right. I'm telling you. So I, I usually, you guys just wait. Okay. (laughs) The end of this, by the end of this podcast, mind blown. We're going to keep you on the, keep you on the edge of your seat until then. Um, (laughs) I also read um, in the article that I found or the list that I found the thing. So the realm of monsters, which is, we know it as Lolotai. The reason in Proto-Polynesian, Lolo means below and Tai means the sea. So when you put them together, it means below the sea, which is where the world of Tamatoa and all his shiny objects are. So we are Lolo Tai is literally below the sea. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a whole new vocabulary after this. <laughs> Lolo Tai? Realm of Monsters? just a couple more quick things while i'm staring at this page of my notes um (laughs) talking about like details in the story the traditional round like the traditional houses they patterned after the traditional samoan houses the dad's body tattoo is you know, accurate. There's a scene in the film that shows the art of the traditional tattooing uh, that is accurate. That's how they would do it. Uh, You know, the way that they're showing that it's done in the film. And then they also, one of the really big points of attention was on the design of the canoes themselves so all of those canoes that you see in that cave like they looked at hundreds of pictures and they went and looked at the actual canoes in real life so they could like draw them exactly perfectly so 
I thought that's awesome. It's pretty important. You're making a movie about wayfinding. You need to get the thing that you need to get the vehicle correct. (laughs) So, you know, that just makes me feel better. Another thing too was, I forgot if, I think this was in a Vanity Fair article. Again, I'm going to be linking this in the show notes so you guys can go read, but I thought this was really funny. And it also should spark you to think about things a little bit. So the, when they're singing, we know the way in the, in the middle of the film, Moana has visions of her ancestors practicing wayfinding. So the directors actually originally imagined that scene would depict the sailors like decked out in their traditional like face paint and the ornamental headdresses and jewelry and all of that stuff. And then that trust that we were talking about earlier said, no way, you can't do it because that would be completely, that would be like a completely ridiculous way for them to be wayfinding because it's like wearing a tuxedo, right? Those, those headdresses and that jewelry, that's like their, you know, that's something they would wear to a religious ceremony or like a marriage ceremony or something like that, you know, like they're not, you're not wearing that to work, right? I don't wear my wedding dress to work. (laughs) So they like shut it down. They're like, it's totally impractical. So when you see them and they're just kind of like in their very basic attire on the, on their ships. So I thought you, because that's the, the goal, right? Is you always want to show them like looking grand and like the way that we, you know, see them portrayed in like a painting or something like that. But it's like, that's not what they wore every day. (laughs) You know, like I didn't wear my dress blues every day. I was working in the Navy (laughs) because it's completely impractical. You cannot work in that thing. So I thought that that was kind of funny. Do you have any more like storyline history, like randomness that you want to share right now? I'm, um, I'm, I've got all, all, everything I have for this section I got covered on the history. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> I know. Some of this I'll probably end up circling back around to. So. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's dig into some of these characters. I have so many thoughts <laughs> about mm. so many characters, but did you have a favorite character or uh-huh. is it Moana? Nope. Okay. It Who is not. It? <laughs> it's uh, Sina, Moana's mom. Oh my God. Moana's mom completely wrecked me in this. <laughs> okay, what what about her makes her your favorite? Because she's not in the movie very much. She's not. So the biggest thing about her, and like it, it kind of goes into one of the other things that we said we're going to talk about, is like how I I um, identify with her, and it's being basically being there for her daughter. So she wants to protect her daughter, but she also wants to make her 
make her happy and she knows that Moana wants to go out of the water. So she, she helps her. Like we see her before Moana leaves and it's helping her get everything ready to go. Like that's, it's protective, but it's also like, I got you. Like, this is what you want to do. If this is what makes you happy, then let's do it. You know what? I trust you. You got this. And I just, I don't know. I thought, I thought that part of her was just, she wasn't being a helicopter mom. <laughs> yeah, there's an element there's an element to that moment in the film where it's like, I know you're going to do this anyway, so at least let right. me make sure you have lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's but I for I completely forgot because it had been a little bit since I had watched it again. I totally forgot. I mean, it's like a 10 second thing. It's not even very long, but I totally, and I just was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And my face was wet for, from that point on. Right. But (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then, and then on the way back home, her mom is the first person she sees. Right. So yeah. that kind of brought it for full circle. Okay. I don't I don't really know who my favorite character is. I I think it probably is Moana. I'm probably that basic, but hey, I have to shout out Grandma Tala. She's yes. amazing. <laughs> yep. She and you know what? Disney's been like giving some love to the grandmas lately because oh, the grandma, yeah. the grandma in Luca had Grandma Tala vibes. Yeah, I, <laughs> they're kind of sassy if we're being honest. Yeah, I picture when I grow old, when I when I grow older, like I hope to be like Grandma Tala, like not the village crazy lady, but the per- type of person that just and I. This is how I am now. I just don't care. Like, oh, you don't like what I'm wearing? I don't care. You don't like that I'm sitting here dancing in the middle of the street? I don't care. Guess why? Because you're not me. So I don't care. Like, I really, that's how I am now. And I love that about her. Yeah, she's amazing. I I just love her so much. She, She doesn't care what anybody thinks. Right. Like, she yep. calls it out herself. She's like, oh, I'm the, you know, I know everybody calls me the village crazy lady. But she's also, like, very comfortable with that. She's, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine if you don't like it. This is who I am. And I like how she kind of, like, tries to convey that to Moana. Like, you're not crazy because you want to go out there. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. As far as like traits go, personally, I think that's why I like Moana so much is like, I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're telling me not to, but I'm probably going to do, gonna it, do anyway. it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a running thread of Disney princesses that are going to do it anyway, because otherwise you wouldn't have a story. But right there's she's doing it like when Ariel is gonna do it anyway it's because she wants to be a human it's it's something that's for herself versus when Moana is gonna do it anyway it's so she can literally save the entire island like it's very 
ideological and selfless. Like, right. not totally selfless because she's going to get something out of it too. She's going to get to go do that thing that she's wanted to do for her whole life. But at the heart of it, like even beyond that is is for her island. So I feel like they, I feel like Disney did a good job of balancing, you know, letting her have that selfish moment where she gets to go do the thing she wanted to do. But at the same time, like if they really needed her to stay, she probably would have, but mm-hmm. you know, she was the one that kind of had to, to push to make it happen. So, okay. Do you, there's, I guess there's sort of sidekicks in this film. Do you, I guess you would say, I mean, really, you could say there's a multitude of sidekicks in this film, depending on which angle you look at it. But who do you mm-hmm. actually consider a sidekick in this film? Oh, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is. And, and also, Okay, so this is something, so I also consider this one a sidekick, and something I read, I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. It's Minnie Maui is a sidekick. And Minnie Maui, this was some one of the uh, posts I read, was Minnie Maui is essentially Maui's Jiminy Cricket. Minnie Maui is Maui's conscious. Oh, yes. His his little tattoo that's always talking to him. Yep. It's his conscience. That's so true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I love this guy. But I didn't even like totally register it as a separate character. Yeah. But he he totally is a character. Wow. Yes. That's very observant. But hey, hey. I love hey, hey. Hey, hey. Like, Okay. I, I love Hey Hey too because it, it's kind of a, for a silly reason, but a lot of the movie is just, it's just in the open ocean. So mm-hmm. the, he like adds color to the frame. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know any chickens that are that many colors, but. <laughs> He's a very colorful chicken. <laughs> he has the same color. He has the same color palette as Kevin from Up. Oh yeah, he does. Nice catch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, he is one of my favorite. One of my favorite parts is where he keeps he keeps falling off the water, like falling off the ship into the water, and then the water gets frustrated. And opens that thing, throws yes. him in the thing, puts the lid on top, and then slams it shut. Yeah, he's just like stay there, just stay, stop. That's one of moving. my favorite parts. <laughs> just maximum frustration right now. It's like you know what that part reminds me of. Okay, this is gonna sound so stupid, but follow along with me, right? It's you've seen uh, Hoop Did You Review? One of the parts of the movie, stand right here, don't move, just watch. Good. Like, that's <laughs> that's how I feel the water is. Stand here, don't move, just <laughs> stop it. <laughs> and speaking of water, like, they made water a character. Yeah. Which was 
pretty incredible, actually. Because, like, not only does the water look amazing, but it actually, like, when she's, when baby Moana is out there in the water, like, well, the water has parted, she's standing in the sand, and she's looking up at it, and she tilts her head, and it tilts, and you feel like Mm -hmm. that, how it's being equally inquisitive to her, and then it, like, gives her a swirly, so it's, like, playful, and welcoming and just it like knows her from the very beginning and then later on again it's getting frustrated with her sidekick and you know Maui keeps knocking her off the boat and it keeps just putting her back like I'm just gonna keep putting her back (laughs) you can knock her off as many times as you want you know so I thought that that was like She's she needed to be able to interact with that element because she's in it so much, right? Yeah. And the way that they wove in that the ocean chose her, you know, giving the ocean a personality for her to interact with so that it can, like, guide her through her story. I mean, I guess you could say the water is a sidekick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in absolutely. In a way. You know, there's like yeah. 10 sidekicks in this movie. Right. Uh, okay, let's see. Did you, this kind of delves into the storylines, into the storyline too. Like, when I went back and watched this movie, in my mind, I was like, where did the Kakamura come from and the giant crab? Like, it's, it's, I was like willing to forgive that those things just kind of randomly showed up. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like a buddy cop movie and they need to have like adventures. So mm-hmm. they made these homicidal coconuts and this shiny crab and that's how they're doing it. But when I rewatched the film, there's very, very fast foreshadowing of the Kakamura and the crab when grandma Tala is singing the song to the kids. Mm-hmm. So they're using like the paintings and the drawings that she's showing them. You'll see one of them. You have to pause it. It's literally like a flash, but yes. there's one of those drawings of the homicidal coconut. And then there's one of the big shiny, crazy looking crab So, but I never, I did not catch that the first time that I watched it. I actually have never caught that before. I have to go back and watch that now. Because I I did all this research before I watched it again. I was like looking for it because I'm like, where, where were these? Like, they just kind of randomly showed up. It didn't make sense in the story, but you have to really be paying close attention to catch that they are actually foreshadowing that those things are out there in the ocean. Now, and I can see, like, after learning about what Lolotai means, I, I can see the shiny crab. Like, I, he's, okay, I get it. You're in the realm of monsters. You're deep in the middle of the bottom of the ocean, like the deep, deep blue. I get that. But the Kakamura, I mean, I guess when you're out, like, on a cruise, you run the risk of having pirates, like, board your boat and steal everything from you. But of any part of the movie... The Kakamura, I could have done without that whole scene. 
first of all, they're creepy little coconuts. They're so creepy looking. As most of you could remember from our, what characters are, the Kakamora are freaky, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's a coconut, okay? It's a coconut. But, I don't know. They're the only thing, out of the whole movie, I could have done without that whole three-minute scene. Yeah, that was the, I was like, you know, like, just going back to the storyline, like, does the story make sense? And I would say, overall, yes, the story makes sense. Now that I know that uh, the Kakamura and the crab are foreshadowed for, like, a half a second at the beginning of the film, I feel more comfortable with them. And even without that, I was willing to forgive the kind of way that it felt random to me because it was just mm-hmm. fun. Like I thought both of those scenes were just fun, but I also could see a way that you could pull out both of those scenes and just have her experiencing things that a wayfinder would experience. Like, especially right. when, when you're placing the, the story during that 2000 year long pause Mm-hmm. use some of the theories that you know came along with that like bad storms maybe she encounters a typhoon or if they do think that there might have been terrible algae blooms during this time maybe she goes through a bad algae bloom and that is part of Tefiti's anger about not having her heart or you know like I, I guess there was other could have been other ways to fill in that that part of the story and still keep the beginning and the end. But mm-hmm. again, it, as far as like a buddy cop thing goes, these scenes are, are I'm, I also don't want to take out. Oh God, what is his name that sings shiny? Jermaine Clement. He is just so whimsically strangely delightful (laughs) (laughs) just in literally everything he does so whoever cast him specifically to be the crab is just needs a raise (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah so that's interesting that you felt the same way so yes go back and watch that first song that Grandma Tala sings, and you'll see in the paintings. But it's so fast. I wish they would have just like spent more time with it, or told you like if you go out in the ocean, you're gonna encounter this specific thing and that specific thing. And they just kind of didn't do that. I also looked up to see like is Kakamura even a word that they is use? It? Does it mean anything? I found. I found an article, um, it said that Pacific culture, in the Pacific culture, the Kakamura are known as little creatures that live in the forests and in caves. And you could basically think of them as small personifications of Mother Nature, um, since they guard forests, uh, and they do not like humans. And there are stories that tell that they are even believed to eat humans when they are feeling peckish. <laughs> All the more reason so, that they're creepy. I kind of explains why they are 
so violent. <laughs> yeah. See, and but, I just like yes. I look at them as as pirates, basically. They're they're middle of the ocean, right? They try and steal from her and do what they will to try and steal. Like that's to me I still could do without the scene, but I look at them as as pirates. Yep, pretty much. And and Tomatoa actually I looked that up too to see like where that word comes from. Um, so the character itself is completely fictional. They just were like, Oh, let's make a crab. Cause crabs live in the ocean. Uh, but the actual word means trophy in the Maori language. So, I mean, it's a good name cause he's basically collecting trophies. Right. So they just named him after, himself (laughs) basically (laughs) so um okay we should dive into that conversation now (laughs) that we (laughs) we we were talking earlier and katie had brought up that there were fan theories out there that moana may not even be alive in this story Yes, she's not. Okay. <laughs> she's not. And I, <laughs> my research has even thoroughly made this realization even stronger, right? All right. Are you guys ready? In the beginning, because at first when I hear this, I'm like, okay, when did this happen? When, when is she not alive? So the whole, uh, Grandma Tala, when she's telling the story, it's all an urban legend. Right, we know urban legends. Like, if you flash your headlights, then the car's going to turn around and they're going to kill you. Like, there's urban legends. So this thing that Grandma Tala is telling all the kids, it's an urban legend, and you get it in your head. Like Moana at that young age got this in her head. So when did this happen? When she goes out as a little girl, and her and Pua go out in the water, and she tries to cross the reef for the first time and gets dragged underwater, she died. Or at least got into a coma. Like, she's unconscious. And from that point on, everything else that happens is all in, it's, she's in, um, she's in limbo, right? She's not necessarily dead, but she's in limbo. None of that happens. There's no Lolotai. There's no Maui. It's just a figment of your imagination. Like, he doesn't exist. There's no way that stealing a rock off an island will create a plague everywhere and create everything to be gone. So this whole thing is just her imagining things in her head. And the reason, so this even goes even further, the reason that Hey Hey ends up on the boat with her, and I looked this up, the meaning of a chicken, chicken symbol, chicken In other words, the meaning reminds you that you must scratch the surface of your emotions to see what lies underneath. You must ask yourself if you are responding to the circumstances around you or if you're responding from your heart. So the reason that Hey Hey's there and it's her spirit animal is she doesn't know which way to go. Should she just let go and pass on or should she go back and be with her family and take on this new role of the leader of the island. And 
when she is on the ocean right before they go and they when Maui leaves her and they go to defeat what's the lava monster? Why Taka. can't I think of thank you. When they go and defeat Taka and Grandma Tala shows up again while while Moana was in this state of of you know her her limbo where she's unconscious living through this dream that she's having um her grandmother comes and her grandmother is already dead and is trying to take her with her and saying just let go and come with you know you can come with me if you want or you can go and she even says it well okay and that's it and then Moana makes her decision and she's going to finish this thing that she has started in this limbo state and defeat defeat Taka then she decides that she needs to be with her family and she basically chooses to live instead of go with her grandmother mic drop Moana's dead none of it happens (laughs) some of that stuff I can kind so the thing that I saw I did I did do a little bit of Googling and I came across this video. It's about 10 minutes long that talks about two fan theories that are pretty similar. And what they were saying was later on in the film, when she has already left the Island and her boat capsizes at that moment, she is screaming at the ocean to help her. Because up until this point, the ocean has been helping her. So she's screaming at the ocean to help her. There's storms coming in. And all of a sudden, you look up and there's this huge wave and it pushes her down. And the next scene is her waking up on an island where Maui just happens to be. So the fan theory is that the ocean answered her by killing her. And... Basically, then what happens from the point for from that point forward when she is on the island with Maui until the end of the film where she she decides to go it alone, right? Maui has abandoned her, but she's like determined that she's going to return the heart. All of a sudden, like she can't get hurt. She's swinging the boat around. It's throw, you know, Takaz throwing fireballs at her. She's like, she's basically got like superpowers. So the fan theory is that when she decided to, you know, when her grandmother, when she had that vision of her grandmother, that she she was dead at that point she decided that she was going to she was going to continue on with the journey she was going to try to to return the heart she died dives down and gets the stone at somewhere in there that the ocean sort of like turned her into a demigod cuz let's not forget moana means ocean so yes. it it's there's this this fan theory that she is the ocean so, you know, and, and the only one that can return the heart to Tefiti is the ocean. Like, there's this push-pull with, you know, Taka can't go in the water because it, you know, it hardens her, basically. It 
makes her not be able to move. It hurts her. So it's, it's, it's crazy. And I was like, when you first brought it up, I was like, that's crazy. And then I'm like watching the movie and then I watched this video and I was like, oh my God, it's possible. It's possible yeah. that like all of these things are, are a little bit intermingled. And so when she actually like is returning to her family, like at that point, she is a demigod. So maybe, I don't know. I will link this video in the show notes. You guys can watch and decide for yourself. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> I can see, see it. Since but I think I've I, seen it. I can't, un- I can't unthink it now. Like watching it yesterday again, I'm like, she's it, it's all, I mean, she can't dive in to the D as a human. She can't dive in. Like it's all a dream. It's all in her head. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> it, it is, it is. I, I, I'm on the fence, so I'm going to rewatch. I'll probably rewatch it again. I'll probably just constantly be like in flux on this. I don't know, but it is and an guys, interesting concept. And now all of you listening, you are welcome for putting this theory in your head. And now you're not going to be able to unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> you all thought it was real. <laughs> Oh. oh, um, okay. Let's talk about music Yay! for a bit because the, the music is, yes. As far as like other soundtracks go in comparison, like how do you, where, where does this one kind of fall for you? Is it like must have so amazing or is it moderate or? This soundtrack is one of four Disney soundtracks that I have on my Apple Music. I have four Disney soundtracks. This is one of them. So it's a must-have. It's something I listen to. I get in the mood. It, it's a must-have. I and there's a lot of songs. Like if you actually buy yeah. the whole soundtrack, there's a there's a lot of music on this mm-hmm. one. I love all of the songs that have lyrics. I I really just love all the music for this one. It's just the instrumentals are like, just like calming, but also like upbeat, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, how far I'll go is just incredible. It is. So it's not my favorite song, actually. I love it. I do love it. It's up there, but it's, I I am Logo Te Pate is probably my favorite one to listen to, and I can't say half the words that are in the song. I but it's know. probably my favorite one to listen to. <laughs> How far I'll go, I have I listen to it and I belt out all the lyrics. But Logo Logo Te Pate is my. I love it. I don't know. It's unique. It gives me vibes of some of the some of the music off of Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Like it's in that same, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not the same. Don't, please don't email me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not being culturally insensitive. It's not the same, but. No, I don't. You feel, you feel the, the Polynesian vibe of it. 
you know exactly where that music comes from basically. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. How far I'll go is like at a minimum top 10 Disney songs ever for me. Mm -hmm. I freaking love it. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, I was, when I was like watching this movie, the part of the, movie where she starts singing this the very first time she sings this I was thinking man I wish I could experience this film as a 10 year old obviously I'm very much an adult (laughs) when this movie comes out but when I'm thinking back to like you know the 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 two things that I consider basically the soundtrack of my childhood is the little mermaid and beauty and the beast and these are very much in line with the music of Moana. I, I feel like, and I, um, it's like, man, I wish I could just like be 10 for a minute to watch this movie and just feel all those feelings. Yeah. Um, and like I said earlier, Jermaine Clement singing shiny is just, wow. He is so strange. Like every time we see him in something, we're like, oh my God, it's Jermaine Clement. He's so bizarre. He he gives me bizarre feelings like um Jeff Goldblum. Like he's eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> so like just knowing his personality and then this character that he's playing, and then that song, just <laughs> It's, it, yeah, it's just such a perfect combination. I love, I love your welcome. And my, one of my favorite videos is watching Dwayne Johnson sing your welcome to his daughter. Oh God. And yeah. like do the whole rap thing. I love it. <laughs> and she's got like, she's at that young, like perfect age where that's daddy. That's not Maui. Yeah. Like that's daddy. He's like, no, it's Maui. No, that's daddy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It is a good song. And that has like, it's, you know, that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote that song. Yes. That I know. Like very, well, I know like that. very, <laughs> very much like that is him. Like you can kind of pick out his style in that song. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other, the other one, what was with her, when they're voyaging, you know, we know the way so yeah. good. Just the beat of that song. It's very like freeing. It feels very like I want to get in my car and roll the windows down and like drive to that song. Mm-hmm. I like where you are too. That's my other yes. like, go-to. But like, Okay, if there's a song in Moana, it's awesome, and you should just buy the soundtrack, <laughs> I think is what we're trying yeah, to pretty say. Much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just do it. <laughs> in fact, okay, yeah. you just you were just saying something about the chicken. And when she is on the boat and she kind of, like, gets her reprise, she actually says... Mm-hmm. And the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. So, mm-hmm. oh, this is making me think. You need to send me awesome. this information about the chicken because I have to start all you over again it. from scratch. 
<laughs> so, and honestly, okay. So when, after Grandma Tala comes back as a spirit, so I, the chicken symbolism thing never crossed my mind. Right. And then I'm watching it again yesterday, even though I could have recited half of the movie without watching it yesterday, watching it again last night. And in this whole theory in my head and Grandma Tala like comes back as the spirit and basically convinces her or whatever. And then Grandma Tala leaves and Moana starts having this basically like pep talk to herself and says um, something along the lines, like basically telling, Hey, Hey, you are a chicken. And I'm like, hold on. I don't know what clicked last night. But I'm like, what is the meaning of a chicken? Like, just the way she said it, something clicked. And that's when I looked up the whole symbolism of a chicken. I'm like, huh. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how I am. Like, I read into everything. And just, I'm telling you, just the way she says it. Watch that part of the movie again. And just how she says it, knowing this now. And you're like, yup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Hey Hey's a chicken. They didn't make they didn't make Hey Hey. They didn't pick Pua, who's obviously Moana's best friend, to go out on the boat with her. They didn't pick a pig, which, by the way, the symbolism of a pig is uh, let you know that you have it. You have all it takes to flourish in life. BTW. Um, so they didn't pick the pig to go out on the boat with her. She didn't have, like, a dolphin sidekick or have the turtle come back and go with her. They picked a chicken. Why a chicken? (laughs) That was another thing, too. That, like, when I was thinking about Moana, like, how she's going to go out there. She's going to do the thing. But it is for other people it's not just it's not a totally selfish thing we know she's not selfish because she saw that turtle and she wanted to help it she she was willing to give up getting the shell she wanted that shell so bad she was trying to but then she looked and she saw Mm -hmm. that turtle and she couldn't do it so again like you see her give that up because she wanted to help the turtle and as much as she wanted to go out in the ocean she was willing to die like she knew that she could die she might have died we don't know (laughs) fan theories but she was willing to do that because she felt so strongly that she needed to do this because somebody had to help and she felt like she was the only one that could go out there and do it so I know that's not a music thing but just when you were talking about the turtle, it made me think of that. Um, okay, is there any song in here that you think doesn't work? Or is just doesn't fit or doesn't is not good? No. Yeah, I can't think of no, any. I, I, nothing. Everything just fit between the, like you said, the the songs with with lyrics and then just the instrumental music. I mean, everything just played well it's really it's one of those soundtracks you can just put on oh yeah yeah and it's it's delightful it's the it's the word I'll, I'll tell you i have i i anyone who who listens and knows me well enough i have a very very addictive personality like i'm the type of person where if i 
I, I, I just, I keep at something, right? Like I constantly am, um, Disney, for example. <laughs> um, but when it comes to music, like if I listen to a song, whether it's a Disney song or not, or, um, any music that I really like, I will put a song on repeat until I know all the lyrics and it'll take me an hour and I could listen to the same song over and over and over again, but I need to learn the lyrics. And it took me listening to it when it comes to, um, you're welcome to know the whole, if you want to call it rap part of Maui, um, to get all the lyrics down. Like I have to just keep listening to it. Like towards the end. Look at that mini me, my <laughs> like that whole thing. I had to. I like had to keep listening to it till I got it, and now I can like sing it and be like, "Yep, I got this." <laughs> and it drives Dan crazy. Like we'll listen to whenever we're driving somewhere with James in the car, and uh, he has to. We have to listen to Disney music because you know I raised my kid right, darn it. <laughs> um, and, and that song comes on, and I just got dance like, "Okay, you can stop." Nah. I got it. <laughs> but yeah, I think this yeah. is probably when I think about soundtracks, this is this is up there. Like I I definitely someday, someday we'll do a show like this on Beauty and the Beast and y'all will find out what a freak I really am. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know how many people have asked me, because me and Katie worked across the street from the Beauty and the Beast live on stage show at MGM Studios, where we heard that music piping out five or six times a day. And five or six times a day, day. I would sing that song, all those songs. and And people would be like, aren't you sick of this music? And I was like, no. Never. <laughs> I challenge you to a Disney karaoke off. Uh, no, actually, that will never happen because I have a terrible singing voice. But, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Frozen 2, Moana, Lilo and Stitch. Like, those are my jams. So. Yeah, my my four sound my four soundtracks are Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Frozen One, and Frozen Two. Those are the four that I have on my on on my playlist. Cool, we got some overlap there. Cool. Okay, moving on from music, we're gonna touch on like art and cinematography because this movie is computer generated, like three D animation. So we're, you know, gone are the days of hand animating. Mm. I know it's kind of, it's a little bit sad, but also like, look what they were able to do. So how personally did you feel about the overall style of animation? Are you, I like, are you into the 3d animation or do you prefer the old school? I mean, I do love the old school. I, you know, you look at comparing apples to oranges, right? You have, you have Lilo and Stitch, which is Hawaii and basically island based movie, right? And you have how that movie was animated and then you have this island based tropical movie and how it, and they, 
I think it works. I think if you would have made this movie the hand drawn, it might not have had the same popularity, I guess. I don't know. Because now, you know, that's how things are now. It's the same thing with with phones and with computers. You know, you don't have your Nokia let's play snake while we're waiting to do something. You have let's download Candy Crush. Like it's that kind of it that's how things are now. So I like the crispness of it. I'm okay with the computer generated animation. Would I like to see hand drawn? Absolutely. But I think it would be it's not how things are now, I guess. And I'm just, okay, I'm okay with it being like that. Would you have, if that makes would sense, you whatsoever. prefer to see that? Like, would you like to see this movie done another way? Or is this kind no. of the way, like, I, I, I think feel like it way. would have had less impact. Uh, I agree. Yeah, that's that's the word. Of, that's what I was going for. Yes, it would have had 100% less impact. Like, I think land, specifically because of the water and the way that she yes. is interacting with the water, like the hair and stuff, like that's all amazing. But like, whatever, you can just do Disney hair. It's, <laughs> it's right. you know, I'm not so worried about the hair, but it's the water, the special effects of the water mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about. You know, because if you look at Tangled, it's pretty much on land. You do some shading in the grass or the trees and it looks like trees and it looks the way it should. You know, the lantern scene mm-hmm. looks amazing. It's great, but they're not, you know, it's more... The characters are not the environment. So in this film, you have an environment that is a character and you kind of, yeah, I feel like I'm glad, I'm glad that this movie came about at a time when we had this technology. Yes. Um, okay. We've kind of talked about some of this stuff already, but like, what are some features or details that stood out to you? Like, is there anything specific that you want to talk about that we haven't necessarily touched on already? Um, no, I think one of the details that I really, I, I didn't know until I started researching and it was probably one of my, one of the more interesting things was that what I said earlier about Rapunzel's hair and how it helped inspire how the ocean actually was developed. And I thought like hair, water, movement, flowing, like, it just, it fit. I thought that was really cool. That, that was probably one of my favorite details of researching this movie. Yeah, that is cool. I, you'll have to send me the link to that and I'll put it in the show notes because I would like to read yeah. about that a little bit more. It's so funny. See, we didn't talk about any of our research beforehand. We're just coming to the table with our own stuff that we researched and you were off in some wormhole reading about chickens and Rapunzel <laughs> hair. And I'm in another corner trying to figure out where are these coconuts? <laughs> like we completely went in different directions and <laughs> like, like, why is there a giant crab with random shiny things on him? I don't understand. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. My big thing is the water. Like I just, I'm, I have yeah. always just had a love affair with the water anyway. 
in in the ocean and I like the scuba diving and the snorkeling and all this. I mean, I think I've said it on the show before. I've only done one tour at Disney, but I've done that tour three times and that's diving in the tank at the seas with Nemo and friends. And I could do it three more times (laughs) here. Take my money. Um, So I just, I love, I just love the ocean, which is yes. I do. Why I live in Texas. <laughs> I do have a couple other things too about this. So I'm all, I am big into when I go to Disney, like hidden Mickey's and, and finding the hidden things. So this movie has a few hidden gems. Um, it has uh, in the very beginning when Moana is the water moves and she is going to reach for the heart of Tefiti for the first time. You can see a hidden Mickey. Um, It is in my head. I have not read this anywhere, but to me, the turtle that she saves is Squirt. I thought that same thing. Looks exactly like him. (laughs) When Maui is going through his identity crisis and he's got a shark head um, and he changes into all kinds of stuff, he changes into Sven, I believe, for a split second. He does, yes. And one of the stupid coconuts uh, is Baymax. Wow, oh my gosh. Uh, I have to look. (laughs) uh It is one of those split second things. You have to know where to look, but one of the coconuts is Baymax. I mean, it's a coconut, but the fate, how they have the painted faces, it's painted to look like Baymax. You don't actually see Baymax up there. Um, So it's painted to look like Baymax. And uh, on. Tabatoa is uh, Aladdin's lamp. Oh, <laughs> of course. Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to and look at that. that. <laughs> You're welcome. That's so funny. <laughs> Super funny. Uh, yep. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Again, like I said, this is going to. It's, this turns into a random conversation. Thinking back to our our death or coma theory, a lot of the things that I saw coming up was Tafiti looks like Moana. So this kind of plays back into you have what you need inside you. And, and she herself is returning the heart of Tifiti to she herself. So she she is the ocean and she is the island and she is I, I really need somebody at Disney <laughs> to we look, we need a, a six or eight part making of behind the scenes Moana, like we got for Frozen 2. I, I'm demanding it. <laughs> I need to know the answers to all of these things. I have so many questions, and I feel like that that could help us. <laughs> um, okay. Final thoughts. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sidetrack really quick, because we were just talking about the chicken thing. I never noticed... On this thing that I was reading, I was looking at it again as I was trying to get this to send to you, and I didn't realize this quote at the top 
curiosity leads to wonder and self-discovery. Huh. All righty I have the link. I'll send it to you. You'll see okay. it, but I mean. Oh, yep. one more thing. Okay. As far as like art and <laughs> cinematography grow- goes, how do you feel about the character designs themselves? Like we did talk about the hair. Um, the hair is amazing. <laughs> yes. I think they're fitting. I think it's all very, there's nothing. I, I, I have no problem with them whatsoever. I liked the fact that what we talked, what I earlier, one of the facts about that they used hair models and got their hair wet to see what it looked like. Um, but I think they were Disney animated appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I like and I like how they for they're smooth, right? They're very sm- s- smooth, like the skin and everything. But if you look at um, yeah. Cena, they did put little crow's feet on her eyes, so you could tell that mm-hmm. she was like slightly aged. And like they gave Grandma kind of the you know the elderly skin droop a little bit, so you. So, you know, obviously Moana is very smooth and round, you know, just curved and yes. Uh, but she's also a teenager. So, I like how they were able to still incorporate like those little details even though like the style of animation kind of tends to keep things a bit smoother around the edges if you will. One thing I was reading about Maui in particular, there was a lot of debate about his design because some people were getting upset that he was kind of like the way he was portrayed they, some people thought that he was being portrayed as like kind of stupid and a little bit of a baboon and that the style of his body was perpetuating the stereotype that Polynesians are overweight. But mm-hmm. I felt like when I looked at him, like, and it might be just because like, I know what Dwayne Johnson looks like. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking at Maui, I didn't get that. I don't, I'm, I don't see his character design as a, f- you know, fat person. Like, I no, think it's just, I, agree. I see big burly dude that's like super strong and. Yes. But, you know, again, like I'm. He's jacked. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> jacked. <laughs> Do you live, bro? <laughs> but. I'm not in that culture, so I don't have like this very close belief about what he should look like. So, and that's right. one of the things that kept coming up, like in this Smithsonian article, I'm going to link, it does talk about some of the negative attention that the movie got. And that was part of it was the way that Maui looked and for some people watching it that was a cringe factor for them and I it's one of those things where I think back to the 90s when Pocahontas came out and 
The music from that film is so beautiful and so wonderful, but like, why did you make this movie? If you want to make a movie about a Native American girl and a white guy, just make something up. Don't use Pocahontas. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. sacrilegious, like, Even in the 90s, what were you thinking? But we live here. That's part of our history. We know about Pocahontas. We know she didn't marry John Smith. We know that that story is not right. But I'm just thinking like somebody that's watching this film in Italy doesn't know that. They just think it's a movie about a First Nation person that lives in the United States. So I kind of feel like I don't know what I don't know about the portrayal of South Pacific Islanders. So if anybody out there has things to say about it, you are more than welcome to tell us. (laughs) But it's like I go forward loving this movie, but loving it cautiously, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I did. I I I did think of one other thing um, when I was talking about our hidden hidden gems or hidden things in the movie. Oh, like the Easter At eggs. At one point, yes, the Easter eggs. Thank you. Okay, when before Moana goes out and she's visiting everyone on the island, and the old guy by the fire says, "I'm curious about that chicken eating the rock." The rock, Dwayne Johnson. Later on in the movie. When Maui is going through his crisis again and he's on the boat and all of a sudden Maui or uh, Hey Hey picks him up and then Hey Hey has Maui's finger in his beak. <laughs> hey Hey is eating the rock. Yes. Get it? Ha yes. <laughs> ha. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I have too much time on my hands. Okay. So... Overall, final thoughts. Love it. I could, I could seriously, uh, I could watch it again right now and have no problem with it. I know, yeah. It's it. It is like just on repeat. Just and it's it's great for all ages. There's nothing wrong with it. There's there. So I do have. I have a funny story. Kind of. I I will. I will keep it G rated. So <laughs> little kids, little kids, um, talking about how it's good for all ages. So little kids, obviously, they uh, repeat what they hear, right? Especially at that young age of two and three, and they they repeat what they hear, and you don't realize it. And um, my sister and my nephew, who's two and a half, my sister apparently says "son of a b." um often and doesn't realize it and my nephew was saying it like all of a sudden he would be walking around the house going son of a son of a (laughs) actually saying it which is funny so they're watching Moana the one night and when when Maui puts Moana in the inside the cave and Moana goes you slimy son of a, and Ethan oh, no. finishes <laughs> watching Moana. <laughs> my 
about every like whenever I watch the movie, like I just laugh. It's so funny because I can just see my little two and a half year old nephew watching the movie and Moana saying "son of a" and Ethan finishing the quote. Anyways, it it was just kind of a funny little. It's a, it's it's good for all ages. Any whatever who whatever your kid is, Moana is a great movie for everybody. It's awesome. What do you on a five star scale give it? Four point eight. Four okay, nearly perfect. Yeah, if there weren't coconuts, we'd be out of. All right. <laughs> I I would. How about what are you getting? I think the same. I think the same. I think the only thing that I would change is do. You know, just adding like 30 seconds to the beginning to sort of foreshadow those things a little bit more, the um, the Kakamura and Tomatoa. And I think that I would be totally satisfied with it. Now, before we close out, I do want to just mention that because this movie did so well, even though it didn't do $1.28 billion well, like Frozen, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. still considered a very successful animated feature. And when things are very successful, Disney likes to bring those things into their theme parks. Mm-hmm. So they've just remodeled rooms at the Polynesian Resort to have a Moana theme. Mm-hmm. And I will have pictures in a few weeks on okay. those rooms. I way. need you to get me. I know this is so dumb, <laughs> but from pictures I've seen online, there's like a hey, hey or something on the kitchen counter or behind the coffee mm-hmm. maker or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just feel a kismet with this chicken. <laughs> And I would like to see a close-up of that detail. So if that's in your room, I would you love a photo. No problem. Um, but they're also going to... You got it. I believe they're still planning to bring the Journey they're of Water attraction to Epcot. Is that... Yes. I I think they're actually even building it. Yeah. Yes. So there's no set date when the Journey of Water is going to become live at Epcot. Um, so the walls are still currently up. It is progressing nicely. I do follow a couple blogs that show aerial views of how it looks and, and it is going to be huge. I'm very interested to see how they actually do it. Um, in my head, the only, like the thing that my, I, it'll be interesting to see how it comes, but I think part of it in my head goes to what, um, journey into imagination and the imagination pavilion, what they do with water there, how they have the water fountain waterfall that goes up the reverse water fountain or I'm sorry, reverse waterfall. And then the jumping water, like it'll be interesting to see if it's got to be more in depth than that, but I can see those parts of Epcot coming into this journey of water discovery pavilion. That's going to be coming live at Epcot. So it's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that was kind of what I was thinking too. Like that's what I had in my head, like the jumping water fountains and yeah. But I, I, yeah, I I know they're going to want to be telling like a deeper story than just like water jumping. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, and then I'm... I look at stuff too, like 
the cue for Winnie the Pooh when they have the wall, the honey wall, and when you touch it and the honey like moves out of the way. Like I can picture that. And I'm wondering, I, I just wonder how, I don't know. It's, it's, there's yeah, lots of things a, that are already meant to be a walkthrough going. attraction. Yes. Yes. It's not going to be an actual, you know, ride or, or show. It's, it's a walkthrough. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be amazing though. Yeah. I can't wait lots to of see new it. things coming that are going to be great. That's going to be high on my list for when it opens. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's it. We're pulling up to our stop. You guys can, you know, unload, go rewatch Moana with all of the things that we just talked about and see what you think about all the different characters. Who do you think is a sidekick? We did We also didn't really talk about how Maui could be considered a sidekick to Moana. So yeah. Who do you guys think is a sidekick? Do you think that the fan theories that Moana died or was dreaming this story somehow have any traction? I would love to know the answers to all of these questions. You guys can jump over to our Facebook group, have a conversation about it. I definitely would love to know what y'all think. Uh, And with that, we are going to close out because we're approaching the amount of time that the actual movie is itself. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, And with that, we will see you guys real soon. Bye, everybody. I I, This is a fun, I like this a lot. How many tabs did you have open? (laughs) Uh, Eight. That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us. Thanks to my guest, Katie Fisher from Pictures and Postcards Travel. If you are heading to the Disney parks or looking at booking a Disney cruise or adventures by Disney experience, Katie can help you get the best prices and discounts along with custom planning and itineraries all at no cost to you. You can find her online at picturesandpostcardstravel.com or email her directly at kfisher at nyaaa.com. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Maine and Magic Friends community on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode. You're welcome to pop in to share an idea, story, or photo and connect with other Disney fans. You can also ask questions, get and give advice, post updates from the parks, and just have fun head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maine and Magic to join. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Maine and Magic. If you've got a comment or question, you can email me at mainandmagic at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on social media and pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, in the Disney tradition around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say, see you real soon! Bye!